I'm gonna preach a message tonight, not too long, next hour and a half. No, I'm just kidding, kidding. it's a short service, midweek. I'm gonna preach a message called, Can't Touch This. Come on, MC Hammer. Isn't that fitting for the time that we are in? Matter of fact, I'm gonna share the first few lines of the song and let me see if you can finish it. My, 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 my music hits me so hard. Makes me say, oh my God, thank you for blessing me with a mind to rhyme in. Put it in the chat, put it in the chat, finish it. You really know Jesus if you can finish that. I'm waiting. Two left feet. Is that what it is, babe? Two left feet? What is it? Two height feet. Two height feet. Yeah. Not two left feet. That means you can't dance. Two height feet. I messed it up. So I'm losing my reward in heaven. That's okay. It's two height feet. So if you put two left feet, that means you can't dance. You put two height feet, that means you can't. Anyway, can't touch this. We have to practice social distancing. We can't hug our friends. We can't touch people. And I feel like this message is fitting during the time that we are in. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 8 verses 1 through 4. Matthew 8 verses 1 through 4. This takes place after Jesus had just shared his longest sermon ever. The, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, if you will. And I love the fact that Jesus' longest recorded sermon, uh, that is, was just to a handful of people, his disciples. He actually climbed the mountain uh, away from the crowd and spoke these messages with, with intimacy to his disciples. And I, and I think that that's one of the things God is doing during this time is while we don't have the ability to gather in a large crowd, we always have the ability to still talk through God's word in intimacy. And in my life and in my journey as a pastor, it is the, the things that were shared in intimacy that I really have felt have had the most impact even more so sometimes than the crowd. I can't wait to get back to sharing uh, the, the message of Jesus to a large audience at some point, but I really believe that God can move profoundly in, in intimacy and in our homes. And so what happened was, is Jesus had shared the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount with his disciples. And this story we're gonna read is when Jesus was on his way down the mountain and the crowds were waiting for him. Verse one, chapter eight of Matthew says this, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. You know, when Jesus would approach the mountain, matter of fact, mountains are significant in scripture. Many prophets and leaders and Jesus himself encountered met with God on a mountain. A couple of weeks ago, I preached from Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham and Isaac walked up a mountain and encountered God as their provider. Mountains are significant. I'm not trying to say that um, God will always only can meet you on a mountain, but, but there's something spiritual and significant throughout scripture about mountains. And I think that uh, it, it, it represents going to meet with God. And I, and I love that Jesus went to meet with God in, on the mountains, but he also took his disciples to these places and spoke into their life. And when he came down the mountain, it says large crowds followed Jesus. I think so many times as leaders, we can climb the mountain of success. I think we can climb the mountain of progress. We can climb the mountain of, of achievements. And when we come down off those mountains, a lot of times people follow us. 
I believe that us being at home during this season, a lot of us leaders, people who call themselves Christians are climbing the mountain of God, if you will, being with God in intimate ways, uh, like, like one of his sons and his daughters, one of his disciples. And when they come down off this mountain, we won't be the one people are following. Come on. I feel this so strong. It'll be Jesus, the crowds follow. I, I, I want to challenge us all that this is really a season for us not to follow our pastors. I get it. We want to honor. We want to allow them to lead us. We want to be humble and, and, and understand that God has sent our pastors to us as a gift, but we want to make sure we follow Jesus. It says the large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. And then suddenly a man with leprosy, um, this is a horrific skin disease, approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. We have been in a series called The Grace Project. And I really believe that most of the struggles, maybe not all, but most of the sin, most of the struggles are, are a byproduct of not understanding the grace of God the gifts that we have been given, spiritual gifts, the gifts of relationship, the gifts of um, righteousness. And oftentimes um, we say things like people aren't living right. And that, you know, you've heard that maybe as a Christian, oh, that person, they're not living right. But I believe right living is a product of right believing. And we need to understand the grace of God in a special way. Jesus came down off the mountain after teaching his disciples and encountered a leper. And a leper during this context would have been one of the most hated, shunned people in all of society. Matter of fact, the belief was that if you were a leper, it had to do with your sin. It had to do with your issues that God had cursed you. And so lepers were supposed to stay away from other people. They would have supposed to have kept their distance from other people, maybe six feet or more. And matter of fact, it was so bad for a leper during that time when they went out in public, they had to yell unclean. They had to identify themselves as a leper so that people would stay away from them because the thinking was that uh, God had said earlier that if you touched a leper, you would be unclean. So the, the uncleanness of the leper would get on the cleanness of the religious person. And so everyone would have stayed away from this person. They weren't allowed to enter into houses of worship. They definitely weren't allowed to approach rabbis as this leper had done. They weren't allowed to get married. There were such rules about a leper and the first person throughout scripture for the most part that would have had to master social distancing is a leper. You know, recently we've, it's been a law that we've had to social distance. But, but the reality is, according to the scriptures and all the things that I've studied, social distancing is not is a new law. It is not a new concept. I want to say that again. Social distancing is a new law. It is not a new concept. We all have the person in our heart that we deem to be the leper, if you will. We all have the person that if they don't have our viewpoint, that we socially distance ourselves 
from them. If, if everybody in your friendship circle is the same color, if everybody in your friendship circle has the same way of thinking, come on, if everybody in your friendship circle is a Democrat, if everybody in your friendship circle is a Republican, if everybody in your friendship circle looks the same, thinks the same, acts the same, then you might have been practicing social distancing a long time ago. This is a new law, but it is not a new concept. In our humanity, we all have people that we prefer to, to hang out with. I've said this before, that preferences are the gateway to prejudices, and prejudices are the gateway to racism. And so at the end of the day, you might not deem yourself a racist, but if you are a preferist, someone who prefers others over others, you have entered into the realm of what can eventually lead to deep prejudices. And so this is important that we understand and we ask ourselves the question, who do I naturally stay away from? Who, if they walked in the room, I would cringe? Who before the pandemic did I stay six feet away from? Social distancing is a new law, but unfortunately, even for believers, it is not a new concept. I love Jesus though. Jesus got near the people that others wanted to avoid. He drew near to them. The Bible says that in verse one, the man approached Jesus on his knees. I, I think, by the way, this is not a sermon about humility, but if we're gonna receive the grace of God during this time, we might need to be able to approach him on our knees. So many times we go to church on, on Sundays, now we can't, but remember when you could go to church, remember those days? Um, we, we would lift our hands, we'd be on our feet, worshiping the Lord. And sometimes we are so excited and we love the energy. We spend so much time on our feet praising God. Sometimes we don't have the humility to approach him on our knees with our issues. The man approached Jesus on his knees looking for grace. And he said to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Isn't that an interesting request? Lord, if you are will willing, you can heal me and make me clean. You know, oftentimes when people don't understand grace, we, we doubt, we don't doubt that Jesus could bless us. We doubt that he would bless us. I'm gonna say that again, the leper, and sometimes you and me, when our understanding of grace isn't right, when we don't have right believing, we don't doubt that Jesus could bless us. We don't doubt that Jesus could heal us. We don't doubt that Jesus could give us favor. We don't doubt that Jesus could give us promotion. We doubt that he would. The man asked Jesus, hey, if you're, you're willing, would you heal me? And Jesus answered him, I am willing, be healed. Jesus has a willing heart to you no matter who you've what you've done, no matter who has kept away from you, no matter who has abandoned you or rejected you, Jesus tells you today, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing, I wanna heal you. I wanna give you peace. I wanna give you hope. But even more interesting, the Bible says that Jesus could have just yelled, be healed. We know that there's power in the word of God. But the Bible says in verse three that Jesus reached out and touched him. This is significant because throughout that culture, everything about a leper would have screamed, you can't 
touch this. You can't touch me. How you've gone a month without a hug from a friend, this man would have gone as long as he has leprosy without any human contact whatsoever. And, and, and Jesus could have just said something to him because the belief at that time would be that if Jesus touched this man, he would be defiled. He would be made unclean. Jesus would. But Jesus not only spoke to him, he touched him. I have found one of the reasons I think as leaders and a pastor that God has gotten us a bit away from the crowds during this time is because a lot of communicators, people who don't know grace, they want to tell you, but they won't touch you. I I'm going to say that again. People don't know grace when they only want to tell you, but they don't touch you. They don't want to be in close proximity. They don't want to get in your life. They just not, not show me healing, show me a microphone. I want to tell them. And I really believe that what God is doing right now is he's saying the only way to get my message out is not just through communication. It's through demonstration. Reach out in proximity and intimacy and touch the people. Let them know not just that I love them, but that you love them. What did I say when the person came to me and said, hey, what commandment should I follow? What did I say? I said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also just as important, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I really believe in some instances, if I'm being honest, I love going to church more than I love my neighbor. My wife knows every person in this neighborhood. I mean, people come to our front yard and talk to Christina all the time. And I love that about my wife. She deeply loves her neighbor. When we first moved into this place, the first thing she did is create care packages. And she, well, the kids made care packages and they dropped them off to our neighbor. This was when we moved into this place in November of 2018. The first thing that Christina did is she took the kids and she went and be, was a blessing to our neighbor. And isn't it interesting that what God commands us to do just as Christians we're calling ministry. Before the pandemic, before the, I get it, love your neighbor challenge, we came up with that. But I'm saying that's not ministry, that's Christianity. Sometimes I really believe this so strong and I know I'm preaching to somebody, we gotta stop calling Christianity ministry. This is what God has called us to do as believers. Don't start a ministry with Christianity. God's saying, this is not what I've called you to do, this is what I've called you to, who I've called you to be. Love your neighbor. Don't tell somebody something that you're not, when you're not willing to touch them and be in relationship with them. And I honestly believe there are sins. There, there are things that we need to encourage people not to do. I'm not saying that grace is a reason to stay the way that you are. What I am saying is maybe God is tired of people telling something to somebody they're not willing to touch. Because the Bible says not only did Jesus say be healed, he reached out and touched the person nobody was willing to touch. People don't know grace when they want to tell you, but they won't touch you. Here's the thing though about Jesus that I love is that he healed him of his disease. 
and a perfect picture of Grace Church, listen to me, don't want to stay the same way you are. A perfect picture of grace is being healed. I want you to write this down. Grace is not current lepers sitting in church. Grace is former lepers sitting in church. Woo-hoo, I'm gonna say it again. Oh my God, babe, you can go ahead and say amen. I know I'm Amen. Gonna... Thank you. I said, grace is not current lepers sitting in church. It's former lepers sitting in church. If you have been met with the grace of God, you've been transformed, healed, set free. You are walking in the original calling of your life. You are learning what it means to be holy. You're walking in truth. Jesus says grace and truth came. Grace and truth came and the truth will set you free. I'm so welcome. I'm so welcoming of anybody who's a current leper but the goal is that you to, you would be a former leper whatever that means and i think that jesus provided healing and what i'm realizing is that oftentimes when the church operates in genuine genuine healing the people don't need us anymore and it's a scary thing to be a part of a healing because we all know this the 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 money is in the medicine not the healing we we if we were going to open a medical facility we need people to continue to come back so sometimes not intentionally the church has become a place to medicate people's pain not heal it where every sunday is like a fix every sunday is a dose Every Sunday is a is a pain kill, killer, not a, not a not a removal, not a healing. You know why? Because honestly, healing means that people don't come back. And what I think, maybe this this might not, you know, be something that everybody wants to hear about the church. But what I think is Jesus was so aggressive about healing people because he knew he was returning to the Father. He knew that he wasn't going to be there every single day for the rest of their lives. So he had to heal them. He had to set them free so he could return to the Father. What would it look like for you and I who call ourselves Christians to be the conduits of healing so we can return to the Father in his presence and that they could walk without needing us what would it look like to be a church like this and this is a, is a dangerous church to a city who is not saying come to church every single sunday and get your dose of medicine so you can go back out in the world and be sick six days from now what if the church was a church that said be healed in the name of jesus and that person would go off on their own jesus gave this man the direction to go to the priest. Where was the priest? Church, he was in the temple. Jesus healed him in the streets and then sent him to the house of God clean. You guys, do you hear what I'm saying? Come on, somebody put in the chat room, it's time to take it to the streets. Jesus healed the man in the streets, on the mountain with his disciples, in the streets with healing, and sent a clean man into the house of God. This is profoundly important. He told them, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. 
healing is actually takes more boldness than we think because the fear will have us providing medicine. You know how many times I've been challenged with not with losing value about who I am because I can't gather and, and preach. This is sometimes a depressing time for pastors because they can't do what they've always done. God is still doing it, just not through them. And I think when we want people to be healed, often as the church, we're not really telling the truth. We want to do it. We want it to happen in our church. When we say we're praying for revival, I'm praying for revival now for Hillsong, not just Oasis. I'm praying for revival for Mosaic. I'm praying for revival for Redeem Life Church. I'm praying for revival for for, for one church, uh, LA. I'm praying for revival for all the churches across LA, Shepherd of the Hills. I'm believing for revival for Bishop Omer's church, Faithful Central. We just need to be praying for revival for a city and for a nation. Jesus said this, ask and I will give you the nations. And I really believe that if we would move in healing and not lead with medicine, that yes, some people wouldn't return, but that at least they would be healed. I know this is true because in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 18, the Bible tells of Jesus healing 10 lepers and only one of them came back to worship. And Jesus said this crazy sentence that really breaks my heart that this is what moves of healing do. He said, I, I healed 10, only one came back to worship. And I think if we're not careful, we make the goal that people would come back to worship. And in this move of God, me as a pastor, myself included, you as a believer have to be willing to deal with the pain of I healed 10 people and only one came back to give glory to God. That's not our job to worry about. I want to let you know that sometimes creativity on Sundays is medicine. It's not healing. I want you to ask yourself this tough question. Have I ever been part in the last three years of a documented healing where I prayed and someone got healed? Or am I massaging someone's shoulders as they live in sin? The church has got to reach out and touch people and bring about healing, whether or not they return. This is truly the grace of God on his church. I really believe that you might not be thanked. You might not get a gift card in the mail. Someone actually might even take credit for what you're doing. It happens, but you will encounter grace the grace to heal, the grace to reach out and touch the people nobody will touch. I, I wanna pray for you. And right now I can't reach out and touch you, but I'm, I know that right in your living room, Jesus can. And there's somebody that needs a touch from heaven because during this quarantine, you've had a food addiction come up. There's been porn addictions that are coming up. Somebody is feeling suicidal on quarantine and you need a touch from Jesus to heal you from that. Gambling addictions, 
all types of different things that you need to touch from Jesus. And so Jesus, would you reach out and touch them right there in their living room? Would you bring about healing? And God, it's my prayer that just like that verse we read in Luke that where you had to ask, I, I thought I healed 10. Where are the other nine? Only one came back to worship. I, I pray that um, those percentages would go up, that people who were healed right there in their living rooms right now would come back to worship. Matter of fact, if you um, have any pain in your body, why don't you just check for healing right now? Jesus is touching that area and put in the chat, I'm feeling relief. Just begin to slowly move that thing around. Um, somebody has an issue in their knee, some, some um, um, decreased cartilage in the knee, just begin to stand up and move your knee around. The, the Lord's healing power is flowing through your knee right now in the name of Jesus. Um, somebody even has a toothache right now that isn't able to go, so a tooth that's bothering him right right here in the back, upper, upper right jaw. The Lord's bringing healing to you right now. Just begin to open your, your, your jaw and receive the healing. Put in the chat if the Lord's healing you right now. Somebody um, had an anxiety attack um, right around 645. Um, before this service started, you're, you're receiving peace right there in your living room. Put in the chat, the Lord is giving me peace right now. Father, you are healing um, people who uh, are having chronic headaches due to stress right now. Somebody's trying to squint at their screen. They have a migraine. Lord, you're healing them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you reach out and touch your sons? Would you reach out and touch your daughters? People have been treated like lepers, rejected, um, um, looked at as unclean, not fit to come into the house of God. But Lord, you want to touch them and you are sending people when we can gather just like this passage of scripture, you are sending people to the temple clean. We will be able to gather again, but because you reached out and touched them in their living rooms, you'll send them into the house of God clean. And that is a beautiful picture of grace. So Father, we thank you and we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.